Welcome to the next episode of More Than The Name podcast. Today, we are joined of the president of the Boston Pride, Haley Moore. Haley, first off, happy belated birthday, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. And then, you know, obviously with the coronavirus coming around, take us through what your last, you know, four or five months have been like. Yeah, I think like everyone, it's been quite a whirlwind and, you know, every day is different, um, although they all feel the same as well. So uh, if we rewind to March, um, our team, uh, Boss Pride, we're having a pretty remarkable season. Um, you know, we're the number one seed, the regular season champs uh, heading into playoffs. We won our semifinal game and uh, we're heading into the Isabel Cup final uh, set to take place on March 13th and and really you know, 36 hours before our game was supposed to happen. I, I think it was, um, you know, we had to tell Minnesota not to get on a plane to come out to Boston to play the game and, and everything shut down really abruptly as everyone knows. Um, so we, we initially had to postpone our cup final and, and ultimately had to cancel the game. Um, so coming off of uh, a season where our team saw so much success, it was, Definitely not the way we wanted to end things, but um, I think we've been able to turn the page and, and take a lot of positives out of the season. You know, it was uh, a record-breaking year in, in so many ways. You know, we had some monumental moves with our Players Association and driving a 50-50 revenue split in their contracts. You know, we had a, a new broadcast deal with Twitch. Um, you know, we had more season ticket holders than we had ever had before, uh, more sellout games than we've ever had before. Um, an unbelievable season in terms of uh, our team on ice play, more sponsorships, private ownership. So we're, we're trying to focus on all those things, all those big wins that we've had over the past season. Um, and then, you know, we had a really successful draft in April. So we, we got to do that all virtually. And uh, I think that everyone's kind of learning that new sense of normal and in, in trying to, you know, adapt with the, the way the world is operating right now. So we did our draft in April. Um, and it was just a really cool way to engage with our fans during that time and during a time of such uncertainty within our communities too. I think it gave, gave everyone a little bit of, um, you know, hope to latch on to and, and something else to focus on for, for that moment. So, um, we took a little bit of momentum over, you know, over the course of the, the end of April there through that draft and, and we signed all six of our draft picks, including the number one pick, Sammy Davis out of Boston university. Um, so now we're, we're really just planning ahead for our next season, which is the sixth season of the league. And, um, you know, we're taking everything in stride, but the, the past few months have definitely been a whirlwind. That's for sure. And, you know, the pride and the white caps, you guys have recently came together and are oxygen off hats. Um, you guys specifically are benefiting the Boston public schools talk about that initiative and, you know, figuring out, you know, how to help the community and what you guys can do. Yeah, absolutely. I think like everyone, you know, the, the first couple of months where we were trying to navigate the pandemic in general, um, you know, everyone was just looking at ways where we couldn't help and we can, you know, be a, a partner with those in our community that, that need something. So, you know, the, the professional sports teams in general kind of rallied around a, a public service announcement um, with a group called Take the Lead, which you know it includes all of the major professional sports teams in Boston, and we we put together some video messaging from all of our players, um, you know, telling people to to, to stay hopeful and um, you know to wash your hands and and thanking our um, 
our service members in the community. So um, along with those other sports teams, you know, we've decided to kind of join this initiative with the mayor's office to provide masks to Boston Public Schools. So we've, you know, we've collaborated on a few different initiatives where, um, you know, our fans can get involved with that process. So, you know, we will be donating a number of Boston Pride uh, masks to the Boston Public Schools in the fall, um, but our fans can get involved by purchasing commemorative items from the past season um, or purchasing masks of their own. For every mask that's purchased through Boston Pride, we will donate an additional mask uh, to Boston Public Schools. So it's an it's initiative that, you know, we feel really strongly about and obviously want to be able to do our part to, um, to help support the community through this time. So it's, it's, it's seen a great reception. I think um, everyone's really rallied around it and it's nice to see the, the support within the community and how everyone just kind of wants to do their part. So that it's been really nice to see. So you talked a lot about the momentum that you guys are building, you know, in Boston here. Uh, can you talk a little bit more broader on the league? You guys just expanded uh, into Canada with the Toronto Toronto Six in your sixth year uh, as a league. So and such a obviously it's such a weird time to expand. Not you know obviously it wasn't planned prehand um, with the coronavirus and everything. So you can talk about how they're kind of coming into the fold and how you kind of go into adding a sixth team and the league's carrying momentum. Uh, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, as you mentioned, the expansion um, is something that takes years in process. So uh, we started off in 2015, the NWHL is four teams. Um, we eventually added Minnesota a couple years ago as our, our fifth team and our first expansion team. And then, as you mentioned, um, you know, most recently just added Toronto. So it's, it's a really significant milestone for our league to be adding a team north of the border. Um, you know, we have a lot of local players who will be excited to um, play games, you know, back home in Toronto, you know, players that are playing with us here in Boston, but are from the Toronto area that they're super excited to play in front of their families back home. Um, you know, it's just provided you know, 20 plus additional opportunities for women to continue playing and continue their career on and off the ice after college. Um, so it's a pretty big step for our league. I know that, you know, players across the board are super excited to add Toronto into their mix. Um, their roster looks pretty fierce right now. So, um, <laughs> we're, we're excited about that rivalry as well. So, um, it should be a really good time. And, um, you know, my former college coach is actually the president of that team. So it's been fun to walk, work with her and, and watch her build a team, you know, that is, uh, relatable to my experience in working with her in college. So, um, you know, all in all, just a ton of positives coming out of it. And uh, we weren't going to let the pandemic slow us down. The expansion process had been in place for quite some time. So, um, you know, we're just excited to kind of roll it out. And they've seen a great reception from all the fans north of the border, too. So it'll be an interesting rollout as we dive into the on-ice game soon. And, you know, talking about how the pandemic can slow things down, you know, the NWHL, like you said, expanded. How have you been able to keep like a positive work culture with the pride, obviously the players, but the people off the ice as well during this time? Yeah, I think a lot of it is just being creative. You know, we did a, a Zoom call with our season ticket holders. And I think that that was so uplifting, even for our players, um, but for our fans as well, to, to just have that point of interaction like we're also used to not being as isolated as we are we're used to you know being involved in events and 
with our community, with our fans, with our players. And I think that that was kind of the first thing that was so abruptly different um, once you know, the pandemic kind of hit um, was that we didn't necessarily have all those touch points. So we've just learned to try to get really creative with things to keep the engagement level going, um, you know, both with our team and, um, and with our fans and within the community. So um, we've just kind of learned different ways to do it virtually. And uh, it's definitely hard for everyone to, to stay positive through these times, but um, you know, we just try to focus on controlling what we can and uh, a huge just testament to the character that we have in our locker room. Our captains are really leading the way with positivity and, um, you know, every player in our locker room, when, when they heard that we were postponing our, our season start to January, had just said, you know, like, well, there's more time to prepare in the fall. Um, so I think that that's just a testament to the type of people that we have and um, that our GM and head coach have recruited uh, that character in the locker room just it really helps kind of weather the storm together. There's, there's such a sense of, um, you know, positivity and trying to um, take what we can out of it. They, they're adamant that we're going to be the most prepared team come January. And um, that's just going to be you know, a fun fall to, to watch and watch them compete and hold each other to a high standard through all of that. So you mentioned, you know, Digit Murphy, legendary coach, uh, you played for her at Brown. So can you talk about kind of how growing up hockey, you know, in New England, Massachusetts and you kind of your career and how you kind of, you know, you don't go through your whole life, but kind of how, what some major events that led to kind of your success in the game of hockey, networking, kind of stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to hear every day of my whole story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, at least touching on the first point about um, playing college hockey at Brown with um, Digit Murphy as my head coach. She, um, she was actually my first ever female head coach. Um, so that was uh, interesting that, that it took until college for me to have a female head coach. Um, but I had some incredible coaches along the way, you know, from youth hockey through high school. Um, my father was really involved and, and he helped kind of show me that, you know, if you wanted something done, that don't be afraid to do it yourself. He got involved with, you know, our youth hockey organization, volunteered his time at Mass Hockey, USA Hockey, um, like countless hours, um, just making sure that I had every opportunity available to me, um, you know, didn't treat me any differently because, but, you know, I played hockey and my brother played hockey. Um, you know, we, we were both provided the same opportunity and support and I you know, wasn't considered to have, you know, any different set of resources. So huge testament to my parents, um, and just, the way that they introduced everything to me, I, I just never, ever thought that I couldn't have an opportunity because I was a female hockey player. Um, so I guess fast forwarding to my time at Brown um, to be able to have a female head coach, it just changed my perspective like hugely to see a, a woman in a leadership position. Um, but she taught us so much more than you know, what you learn on the ice. And I'm sure every athlete says that, you know, it's not about what you learn on, you know, on the field or on the ice or in the game. It's about the life lessons that you learn. But um, she definitely had that focus and, um, you know, just helped us battle through so much adversity. But the college hockey experience is like none other. And if I could go back and play it over and over and over again, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but for me, when I graduated, there really wasn't a ton of opportunity to, to move on to play. Um, you guys had mentioned, you know, I went over to play a season in Switzerland, um, but that was really kind of the only, the only spot to continue 
a playing career unless you were going to the Olympics. And, you know, I had you know, spent my time with the national team program and, um, you know, at that point wasn't continuing on uh, at the Olympic level. So I had the, the opportunity to go over to Switzerland and, um, and play for a season there. And it was a great worldly experience, but um, you know, th- there was a huge need for professional hockey in North America. And I'm so proud that, you know, I get to be a part of working on that every day. It's an opportunity that, you know, wasn't presented to me back when I graduated. And then, you know, um, students, when they transition or athletes, they go overseas, they play professional. And then, you know, what's next? They hang up the skates. Talk about your transition from hanging up the skates to coaching at UMass Boston, how, you know, you're mentally, physically, you're done playing and now you're behind the glass. Um, so, yeah, I think if you, if you talk to me, back when I first graduated college and came back from Switzerland and I was trying to navigate my career path. Um, I would have told you that, you know, hockey was not going to be my path. Like playing was my passion. I didn't have the opportunity to continue playing. Like I was, I was going to use my biology degree and, um, and pursue other things. And, um, and of course, like, you know, being somebody who was so ingrained in the hockey community your entire life, you have people asking you to stay involved with different things and, um, you know, I was offered a position at UMass Boston to be an assistant coach there. Um, I actually declined it and said, no, I'm focusing on my, on my career, um, trying to use my biology degree. I was, you know, getting involved with a consulting firm at the time, um, with medical device regulations. And, you know, I, I really wanted to explore my capabilities outside of the rink and wanted to kind of validate myself outside of sport. I think so many of us like tie our identities to our sport, um, and I really wanted to, to kind of validate what I could do outside of hockey. Um, I also just didn't think I would have a passion for anything but playing, honestly. Like, I, I think that many people will probably say that. But um, I, I turned down that job opportunity at UMass Boston. And they said, well, why don't you volunteer? You know, you can keep your career. And, um, but, you know, within whatever time you have, like, come and volunteer with us. And... Um, and that head coach who had offered that to me was Mara Kroll, who's actually a St. Mark's alum. Um, and, and I'm so grateful that she did because that, you know, was my first kind of step into kind of understanding that I could find fulfillment in the sport outside of just playing it. Um, and then, you know, quickly she, um, she saw and heard of the opportunity at St. Mark's to go be um, an assistant athletic director and a head coach there. And I was at kind of a crossroads within my career outside of hockey. And I thought, you know, why don't I jump all in and, and give this a shot? So that's where things kind of spiraled into my career outside of playing. Um, at St. Mark's, I just like fell in love with coaching and being able to, you know, help these high school students like pursue their dream. And, um, and they're, you know, they're so moldable. And so, um, just so willing to learn and willing to um, give it everything they've got to, to reach that next step. So that was really where I, I fell in love with coaching. I fell in love with being uh, a role model beyond, you know, my playing career. And I also really started to gain an appreciation for understanding the operations behind athletics and like what makes uh, everything tick. And, you know, that there's a lot more into, operating a game or, 
you know, marketing your, your teams and scheduling a season than, you know, just showing up and putting your skates on. So um, I think that that was a really huge learning experience for me. Um, and then from there, you know, my career just started to, to build a little bit. I had the opportunity to, to, to go um, coach at Harvard, um, also with Mara Kroll, who was, who was the head coach at UMass Boston when she initially brought me in. So uh, lots of credit to her. You know, she ended up at Harvard and then hired me there. Um, to be an assistant coach and just got to, um, to really learn like the college athletic landscape and, um, and obviously work with some really talented players. So I think, you know, anyone who's a coach and has the opportunity to play or or to work with, um, some really talented high level athletes, it's, it's always a really enjoyable experience. So just a quick fun fact, uh, your summer reading group at St. Mark's was my first real high school assignment. So, so <laughs> oh no way that's awesome well thank you for choosing my group um seems, i was actually thinking about that recently because it uh it seems to be quite relevant in our world today so uh, i'm glad that we picked a good book and a good topic to chime through of course it's almost 10 years ago now it's crazy <laughs> i know time flies 2013 you win the ivy league title with harvard take us through that experience Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think as a coach, you always like want to be on the ice when you're on the bench, but to be able to see the excitement through our players eyes during that whole process was so cool. Um, and again, just gaining a a huge sense of appreciation for coaching the game. Uh, I don't think you realize as a player, how much, um, mental preparation the coaches put into things. Um, so you get a whole different sense of, uh, reward when your team is successful um, because you just have to hope that you've given your players the, the tools that they need. Um, you can't go out on the ice and put the puck in the net for them. Uh, there's, you know, there's every level of preparation that happens in advance. You know, you're, you're doing scouting reports, you're doing skill sessions, you're doing game strategy. Um, you know, you're doing mental toughness and, and boosting confidence of your players. But um, you know, the, the seasons that I had coaching at Harvard was really um really cool to just kind of be able to see and experience that through the eyes of a coach. Um, you know, I had gone through it as a college player, but to be able to be on the other side of it, I just gained a whole new appreciation for the sport and for all my coaches that, um, had kind of come before me and uh, not realizing how much work they really put into it. So it's, it's a different sense of reward. And, um, you know, I look at some of the players on those rosters and, um, the players that I got to coach there, it, it's fun to see that now, um, you know, some of them are, are playing in the NWHL and I think about, you know, our captain with the pride, Jillian Dempsey, I, I was able to coach her at Harvard and now she's, uh, you know, a five-year player, a veteran in the NWHL broke, you know, uh, almost every record we have out there. And, uh, it's really cool to see how things come full circle and that, you know, now she's had the opportunity to pursue this professional career because of our league. Um, so I, I think about her being that college kid that, um, that I coached and winning an Ivy league championship and, uh, and how much passion she had for the game as a college player. I'm so happy that she has the opportunity to continue to play the game that she loves and be a role model for so many young kids. So you've kind of, you know, you just talked about really falling in love with coaching after not really knowing what was going to happen, get into it. So you win the Ivy League, you're mm-hmm. at Harvard, everything's going great. And then, you know, the NW, NWHL came calling, the pride. So can you talk about kind of that 
career move really go, you know, go into a general manager role outside of the coaching, right. As you kind of start to fall in love with it, fall in love with it to the front office side of, you know, a business. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's interesting because I talked about what I learned at St. Mark's and really kind of gaining the appreciation for, um, the operation side of, of athletics as well. And that was something that I felt was missing just from, you know, from what my strengths are, from what my aspirations were. I, I really enjoyed that balance when I was at St. Mark's um, between, you know, coaching and um, and having to have like an analytical and operations mind on a day-to-day basis. Um, so that's exactly what the NWHL and the, being the GM and that inaugural season kind of provided to me. Um, so it was an opportunity, you know, obviously to, to create an opportunity for others um, that I never had. And that I felt, you know, there was a huge void. There was no professional women's hockey being played in the United States. Um, you know, the, the first time that a North American league was paying its players to play. So it was just something I felt so strongly needed to be done. Um, and I didn't want to shy away from the work. You know, I think that if you want something to be done, then you need to be willing to put the work in. Um, and while coaching is something that came a little bit more naturally to me at the time, I knew that, you know, somebody had to be willing to do the work so that um, those opportunities existed. And I was eager to learn and eager to build um, and had, you know, some, some great inspirational role models and business partners, everyone, you know, putting the league together at that point um, was so passionate about what we had in front of us and the opportunity. So um, I jumped on board. I, I didn't necessarily know what I was getting into. I, you know, I had managed hockey teams before. I've done recruiting. I knew the landscape. I, I knew the player development side, but I, you know, I just kind of took it and jumped in and, and learned in stride. I think like all of us did. And um, I'm so happy that I did, you know, our league has really given me the chance to know what my passion is in my career. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't say that coaching is my passion. I, I really enjoy coaching, but I enjoy so much more than that. And until the NWHL existed, I, I never would have even thought that, you know, a woman could be a general manager or a deputy commissioner or a president. Like those are things that when I was growing up, I never even thought of because it wasn't something I saw. Um, and I, I take a lot of that on my shoulders. You know, I hope that young players that I work with um, or see in the rinks that they can look at me or our GM or our coaching staff and they can say, you know, I, not only do I want to be a professional hockey player, but like I can work in professional sports. You know, I can do social media, I can do marketing, I can be a GM, all those things like that matters that they can see those opportunities. Cause you know, if I had known that those positions existed when I was younger, I'm sure I would have had those hopes and dreams. And I'm just lucky enough that I found it early and enough in my career to be able to pursue it. I mean, you were 28 when you were named GM, uh, during your tenure as GM, you guys were 34 and one, which is remarkable. And then your first season, you won the Isabel cup as a young leader transitioning to that role. How did you kind of control the room, make everyone buy into what your vision was? And I mean, your success speaks for itself in that. Yeah, I don't like losing as you can tell. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I think that in that first season, especially we, we just had, um, we had a really great sense of 
of unity. And I think that everyone understood that we were kind of paving the way. We were starting something from the ground up. Um, and we, we just looked to create a culture of understanding, of support. Um, you know, we had some, some pretty unfortunate things happen during that season that our team really rallied around. Um, so if anyone knows the, the story of Denna Lang, and her injury, um, you know, our team was provided an opportunity to play at Gillette Stadium um, the day before the, the Winter Classic with the NHL. You know, so it was um, New Year's Eve and, and our team had the opportunity to play there. And unfortunately, one of our players, Denna, um, severed, su- suffered a severe spinal cord injury in that game. And, um, and I think from that moment on, our, our team just we, we rallied around her and it was so unbelievable to see, um, the positivity that kind of came from that moment. And, uh, obviously it's, it's a really uh, just an unfortunate circumstance, but Denna has been the most like positive and inspirational person to so many people out there. Um, and she definitely unified our team and everyone kind of, you know, had every step forward for her from that point on in that season. So um, I think that if you look, look at that season, you know, we did it for Denna and um, you know, it it speaks to her character and how she continues to kind of navigate and inspire through that and the positivity that she kept. Um, So, so that was really a unique kind of approach in our season. But um, I think in general, we, we just felt like a family and, um, and everyone really wanted to support her and to support our goal and knowing that, you know, when that first Isabel cup was going to be hoisted, that we wanted it to be us. Like that was a moment that was a part of history. Um, so it, it was easy to lead that group in the sense that, you know, everyone kind of took the accountability on their own shoulders and, and unified as a group. For sure. And I think, you know, we've talked in previous episodes to other guests about, you know, good things come from tragedies and you know stuff like that. And I think, you know, I remember being senior of high school, I, you know, that effect kind of trickled down to the youth, to high schools, right? People were doing fundraisers, raising money, stuff like that. So that really kind of, you know, that event got you guys out there in a way to the community that rallied around mm-hmm. you. And then, you know, starting out in, in Boston, you know, this gigantic sports mega place, you know, starting this new franchise. You know, can you talk about how the city, you know, whether it's other, you know, other uh, organizations have kind of rallied around you guys and helped support you guys as you guys are, you know, launching and, you know, five years in, six years in now, just kind of the support from other Boston uh, pro teams. Yeah, Boston loves their sports, that's for sure. Um, So they've done a really great job rallying around us, like, you know, all of the teams that have been around for much longer than we have. Um, But I think it's been really cool just to see the growth that's happened since, you know, 2015 until now, these past five years, um, you know, we've become more of a household name and, um, you know, we really have a strong bond within our community. So our fans are unbelievable. They're so die hard. We have a group, the pride die hard that, you know, um, they, they bleed black and gold. So we have incredible fans and I think it's just been so cool to see, um, you know, obviously we kind of made our, our footprint in season one, getting that championship, I think that, you know, spoke volumes and, um, and that was easy for people to rally around and say, you know, now we have another Boston sports team, that's winning championships, like let's go. Um, so we just need to make sure that we hold up our end of that bargain. And every year, you know, we're, we're competing for nothing less than the Isabel cup. So, um, you know, our fans have been great to support it, but we, uh, 
we have a lot of uh, tradition within our city for winning and uh, we just want to make sure that we're competing and holding ourselves to the highest standard there. And then, you know, in 2019, coming full circle to where we are today, you were named the GM, I mean, sorry, the president of the Pride. And at that time, you were one of three women to be the president of a major professional hockey team. What does that mean to you? And then what is your message to women in sports, whether they're thinking about going into sports, entry level, or trying to work their way up? Yeah, I think, you know, even just hearing you say it now, it it reaffirms to me that it did make a big impact. It still makes a big impact. Um, I'm so grateful, like I said, that our league exists, that I've had the opportunity to pursue these positions that, um, that other girls can look up to and know that that's something they can aspire to be. Um, and I think that having, you know, strong female role models is something that is so important. Like I mentioned back with, you know, my college coach, um, that kind of shapes my mentality, um, from there on out. So I just think that, you know, it doesn't matter what gender you are, what you look like, you know, like follow your passion and things will fall into place. If you work hard and you believe in what you're doing, then, you know, every opportunity can be available to you. Um, you know, just be great to the people around you. I think that that's one thing that I've really learned, um, through my kind of journey here is just that like everyone around you has something so great to, to offer. And if you kind of embrace that and embrace what they have to share, it's going to lead you down some pretty cool paths. Um, but yeah, I think in general, I, I feel really honored to be in the position that I am for sure. I feel so thankful to have unbelievable players to represent. Um, you know, I'm so proud of them and the work that they do every single day. Our players are pretty remarkable. Um, you know, they're teachers, they're in law school, they're in medical school, they're pursuing careers, both in professional sports and outside. They're incredible ambassadors for our sport. So, um, they all keep me really motivated to to do a good job and keep paving the way. But I think together, you know, we're so much stronger. So we just try to keep lifting each other up and, uh, and go from there. Definitely. So I'll keep your, your elevator pitch going uh, for the league. So how can things, uh, and, you know, people are listening, get involved with the pride. You mentioned, you know, the fan group there, um, but just kind of where you guys play, you know, just give us a little, a quick low, low down um, about the Boston pride and how people can get involved with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So we play our home games at warrior arena in Brighton and um, we, we sell out at around 800, you know, standing room only. So get your tickets early. Uh, we are selling season tickets for next season. Um, everything can be found on our website and on our social media channels. Everything is at the Boston pride. Um, I know TikTok's in a volatile place right now, but you definitely <laughs> want to follow our team on TikTok. Um, hopefully that stays around. We have a, a player run account for the most part. Everything's approved through the team, but our players are ob- obsessed with creating content on TikTok, and they do an unbelievable job. So I wouldn't let that opportunity to follow us there pass you by um we'll have some new merchandise coming out soon you know within the next couple of weeks here and um and as i mentioned earlier you know any mask that you buy through the boston pride um we'll be donating an additional mask to boston public schools but um you can find us on twitch um this is how we broadcast all of our games so um if you haven't seen or heard of twitch it's a really cool opportunity to not only watch games but to interact with um, the announcers and to interact in a chat surface there so um, that's how you can view our games and also on all of our youtube channels um, both league and team so 
Um, and Haley, how can individuals... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. How can individuals find you personally on social media? Um, at Haley Moore 9, pretty much on everything. Um, so that's where I, I'm usually just kind of boosting our players and uh, <laughs> boosting our team content there. But um, every once in a while, I'll get some personal stuff in there. A lot of hockey development is what I like to talk to as well and uh, player development, all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us here on More Than a Name podcast, and we wish you and the Pride nothing but the best in the upcoming season. Hey, thank you guys so much. Talk to you soon. See you.